So I'm Tony Keskin and Chief Revenue Officer at OneIdeaOps.com. And uh, my history and background is actually in, in advertising and marketing. So I've been doing, uh, I worked for eight years at, at Oklevi Network in, in Finland called Taivas Agency as a planner and account director. And the, the really the core point that I was, I was doing and have been doing since then was to come up with insights to, to understand customers and customers' behavior in a way that how do you kind of discover uh, assets and, and possibilities from companies' capabilities and offerings that could be creating um, competitive advantages and, and create more value for customers. So my background is in, in doing this type of research and analysis and, and designing customer journeys and, and customer experiences. Um, then I worked at uh, Omnicom Network for five years. As it's a media agency, so it's it's all about maximizing marketing return on investment and, and investment return. And um, still continuing the same path, discovering insights, understanding what, what's happening with the customers and how do we make, how do we create possibilities with these customers. And by doing this for 25 years now, I've been capable of, of kind of under, creating uh, patterns and understanding of, of how customers behave, how can we influence them, what kind of data makes really sense. And, and that's the kind of foundation for what we are doing now at and 180 Ops. So in, in simple terms, what we do is we analyze data about customers and markets and create answers to four major questions. What to sell, to whom, when, and why. Understanding these, getting answers to these questions, what to sell, to whom, when, and why, uh, is a way of kind of creating macroeconomic map on on uh, possibilities, risks, and opportunities. So that's what we do. We help sales and management. So like somebody could, you guys analyze the customers, so someone could be selling to their customers, not realizing they have so much more potential out there, uh, more potential products, or that maybe they're approaching the customer the wrong way. And you guys help with that to increase uh, the company's sales. It, 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 that's like the 10,000 foot basic overview. Exactly. Okay. So when you look at any given company's uh, data uh, and, and penetration level of uh, adaptation level of offerings, you you come with come up with uh, with an outcome that there's a curve where majority of customers are buying one or two offerings, and uh, those are the ones that the company is known for. The majority of customers are the volume in customers is there, but when you then look at the revenue curve. The small amount of customers adopting much wider portfolio represents majority of the turnover. And it's often not realized that actually these customers are real life success stories about what the company could mean for customers. So those customers in the, in the upper end of, of penetration level and adaptation level represent the kind of possibility and potential for other customers to adopt those, those behaviors too. And there's a major gap between the opportunity and, and the actual behavior that customers are showing. Okay. So like what, what would be one example that you see over and over again that a business doesn't do that you guys help with in terms of like a missing piece to the puzzle? Like, is there something yeah. that every, like a very common thing you run into that people can, can optimize? Yeah. So when you look at any given company's management and, and dashboard systems, how, how are they managing the companies? Every single management tool is concentrating on some internal object. So you look at the company's financials, or you look at the, the subsidiaries or business units or offerings or channels or sales teams or salespeople, but it's always the center of the gravity is around some internal object. So you can see that there's changes. Some things are growing, some things are declining, but nothing explains that behavior change. And what we do, where the name 180 actually comes from, is that our center of gravity is the individual customers. So what we are modeling and trying to understand is those individual customers, 
they have relationships. There are things happening in those relationships. There could be reclamations and refunds, and they might be showing interest to other offerings. And um, then things change in the company too. They grow, they decline, they hire people, they lay off people, they branch out into, into new areas and so on. And all these companies, they are uh, operate in a certain macroeconomic environment. So macroeconomic data, inflation levels, gross domestic product, unemployment, and so on. And every single customer is like a sensor in the marketplace. So from these sensors, these companies, we can learn bigger patterns that when, for example, let's say, when we look at the economic policy uncertainty index, which is done by American uh, scientists, it shows that in the history when 9-11 happened and, and when uh, Lehman Brothers collapsed, there was a major spike in uncertainty. And, and <clears throat> we back then we thought that uh, continents were shaking and the world was derailed. However, that was just a warm up where we are now is double the size of uncertainty that we saw then and it's now delayed like like it's a long-term uh challenge that we are now facing and there's it's no problem no um wonder why people are burning out and 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 suffering at work you help customers but customers by also kind of looking into the future as well the predicting what yes happen okay so the past is for learning but but the data needs to show us the way to the future so right now for example like in the united states everyone has been predicting a recession for the last year and a half but the stock market just keeps going up unemployment's still high all this stuff and it just seems very weird that all these markets that are all-time high all these numbers look so good do you feel like the uh, like the economics for the entire world is going to hit hit a point where you know, we get into a really bad situation, especially, you know, with, um, you know, when COVID hit, all the all these governments out there spent so much money. Like the U.S. is in just trillions and trillions of dollars in debt right now. But yet everything seems on the from the outside perspective to be going great. What are your thoughts mm. about like, next year? Like, what it, what do you think is going to happen? It's an interesting question because there, like like I said, uncertainty is at an all-time high. And... Uh, what we see from the data and results that we are creating for our customers is that when, for example, interest rates go higher all over, uh, some customer groups uh, stop buying, some others start buying, some offering cease to, to sell more and, and some others start selling more. So when we are working with large and mid-cap companies like, like telcos and, and uh, different types of business services, um they have wide offering ranges and they have great diversity in their customer bases and when we are facing situations like like right now um it doesn't hit everyone the similar way so there's always opportunities volatility really means that that the opportunities and threats are at an all-time high so it's not just negative there's also simultaneously there are opportunities. Some some uh, sectors are rising. It's just a time to be very cautious, I would think. If the moral of the story yes. is with the central theme of AI coming into the picture as well, how do you see that impacting the economy in general? Uh, AI has so many influences. It's it's uh, making and and what we see right now is that it's just marching out. AI is only like like coming behind curtains. It has been behind curtains for a long time. Uh, for example, our team has been working with AI and machine learning since 2002. And um, now it's just, uh, it has become something of a, of a phenomenon and, and, and something that we all, ChatGPT came out and, and then everything was about AI. But, for example, if we if we think about advertising and how we've been targeted with advertising or how we've been learning how to use uh, social media, AI has been running on the back all the time for a long, a long time. How it's influencing now is is uh, there's major diversity in it. Uh, some sectors like like let's say for example legal business or 
architectural business are something that they are rule-based businesses and, and uh, AI is hitting those sectors hard and uh, probably leave, leaves uh, a lot of unemployed people and, and at least the, the way people are actually working is, is going to permanently change. Um, but on the other hand, it has major upsides too. What we do is, is we are trying to make people's lives better. We are trying to make uh, data speak for them, for those people, enabling them to, to um, get clarity into their situation with their customers and their markets and enable them to react and, and operate in a, in a best possible way there. Yeah, do you, so do you see like, we're at this like precipice, it feels like in the economy, and it's felt like that, which I alluded to a little bit before, over the last year and a half, because we came out of COVID, we have all this debt, interest rates are high, inflation is, is high in certain areas of the world. But AI came out at the same time, right? It, like the, the hype of yeah. AI just came out at the same time. Part of me feels like AI can sort of help get us out of this mess. It, 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 and if AI was not here, things could get really bad. Do you feel like, mm. you know, that's the case where we, we we're in this situation where the economy and we could get the economy for all the countries in the in the in the world could sort of head into a recession but ai has so much potential to help that it could sort of get us out of having a potentially bad recession or even, or even depression well all about ai is um it's helping companies to improve profitability productivity mm -hmm. so companies might be doing better uh are people doing better it's a different question. Yuval Noah Harari wrote the, the book 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. And in, in his book, he was uh, kind of painting the, the future where some professions are rendered useless. And, and that's a scary picture. And it's depending on, on what sector you are working. Let's say, for example, if you are a doctor, it's, it's easier to replace a doctor with an AI than a nurse because the nurse is actually there for the person and, and the, the requirement is the person to be near. On the doctors, they are making decisions and, and uh, prescriptions and, and that is easier to replace with AI than, than the nurses. Work. That's a great point. I never thought about it like that. People would think, well, you would reveal, be able to replace the nurses before the doctors, but really the doctor has the smarts. So the AI can replace the doctor because they're smarter than the doctor. So that makes a lot of sense. Yes, but it's it's really the time of time of when when things are now building and 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 changing and and there are so many technologies already in the in the world available for us now that already those technologies that already exist can can really transform the way we live, lead, and and work. Uh, and that the speed of development is so fast that it's it's really difficult to see to the to the even even five years forward that that how do what is our everyday living in five years? It's it's really difficult. So your company 180 Ops works with a lot of different companies doing market research. And so in doing that, do you see people becoming more open to this idea of AI products or companies who utilize AI within their functioning or within their services? Because I'm thinking for some background on that question, I'm thinking of the past few years as AI's come out, for a lot of people, that's a trigger word that they don't want to be involved with AI or AI products. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of scared of it. But do you see a shift happening there where people are becoming more open to these AI sort of products or services, or is there still a mix? There are the first wave of first adopters. They are already on board and, and, and working hard and, and learning and, and thriving in, in what they are doing. Um, it's always the, the kind of status quo is that, that people feel secure in the where they know what happened what's happening and 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 they they are practiced and and they have the history and learnings and and people always change a lot slower than the technology does so the status quo bias and and uh, the kind of inertia there it's obviously there but 
these things are penetrating our lives and and our everyday living so fast and and coming in so many ways that uh, the adoption is is definitely growing fast. It, how it influences there's a lot to to learn from that that what do we see in the in the couple of next years have you seen like uh customers on your end ask you about ai and how it can help them yet or is because it seems like that would be a good litmus test to see how far along ai has come yeah. when businesses start asking you about it every company is now thinking about it really? every company who wants to stay in business is now thinking about it and and learning about it and and trying out different types of testing because that's all you can do really uh in order to keep your your strategy alive in in this change you need to be practicing training and 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 doing all sorts of trials with with the tools to learn how do they adapt to your processes and can you redesign your processes Whatever can be automated will be automated. That has been true for the past two decades. Now we are just seeing the kind of major shift where everything's happening simultaneously really fast. So is, it, is your business 180 Ops, do you, do you help tra train people as well or is it all just internal on your end? Do you guys do everything for them or do you train them as well? Uh, we do onboarding for the clients, okay. yes. So, we concentrate on, on doing the, the software development and, and concentrate really on that software. Uh, we have partners then who concentrate on consulting and transformation work or making decisions based on the data that we produce. Um, but we don't, my consulting days are over. Okay. So I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> and there's no scalability if you start consulting it, uh, you need to, need, you need to create an ecosystem around you to to do that work. So, what does your team look like right now? When did you guys launch, and uh, how many people do you have working for you right now? Right now, we have nine people. We are still a startup. We have created the foundation, so we've been validating everything that we have developed. Uh, for the development, as such, you can say that we've been developing this for the past twenty-five years. So. Everything that, that we are putting into the product has been done manually before. And, and uh, we've been doing the, the consulting work and insight generation as projects for the customers first uh, and, uh, and doing that, that uh, man management consulting work. Um, we are now just kind of what we are doing is, is turning our lifetime of learning best practices and, and trial and error into a machine. So in a, in a way, we represent that, that AI transformation in that sense that, that we are now taking, taking all the learnings that we have uh, accumulated over the past 25 years into this offering and product. So is that something like you guys are a relatively new company, but- yes. AI came out the last year. Is that something that sort of raised the red flag on your end and th it thought and you guys thought like, well, we got to rethink everything we're doing and sort of maybe implement AI and these strategies and sort of it, did it throw you guys on your head when everything came out? Because, uh, you know, it was such no, a no, it's actually what we've cre created, for example, the data model that, that we have in the in the uh, server side is something that is AI native. So we are now uh, doing data security assessments in order to to enable you to ask uh, language-based questions from the data so that we can give answers and the, and the data can then answer well the tools can then give you answers based on the data that, that we have so ai for us is um well neural networks and ai um, are not the only tools that, that are necessary. AI has a major challenge in, in terms of, of giving you reasoning for the decisions that it gives you. AI can give you answers, but it can't explain how it came to those conclusions. So we can't write solo on, on AI. We also need machine learning tools because if you think about management, let's say, for example, uh, predicting risk, of, of defecting customers. You need uh, to understand what are the things driving those risks because that's what you manage. 
those are the factors that you need to to influence and you need to be aware of those factors in order to do the management effectively so ai as a solo technological solution uh isn't applicable for our purposes gotcha and i think that's uh, a good thing for you know if a business is looking to implement ai um i think you got to be wary because i mean you're gonna have to implement ai but at the same to token if your business is built solely around ai you're probably not going to last too long because for example, there's companies out there that like, um, they'll do summaries of news articles or something like that. You know, it's just a very yeah. basic app. And then ChatGPT will come out with something the very next day that will sort of wipe that mm. business model on the floor, you know, out, wipe that business business model out because they came up with something that does exactly what you guys just made, not you and 180 Ops, but yeah. this example. Um, but if you can combine both, you can combine the human aspect and the AI, that's sort of a, it seems like a winning strategy. and for a, for a, um, a long-term business model, at least, because you really got to be aware of how AI is going to impact your business. Some tool could come along and just totally wipe you out, you know, a day later. But if you have the human aspect there yeah. as well, it's going to help you a lot survive at least. Well, it, it's actually a human factor because mm. now we, th we are living in a world where VUCA world, like, like volatile, uncertain, complicated and ambiguous world. And, um, what how we see what what people really need is to create clarity on 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 their situation if you are working in sales or offering management uh you need to understand what's happening around you you need to kind of uh, get answers about what factors are are threats for me and which are representing opportunities so creating that kind of clarity is the, is the thing that helps people to to feel more confident about their situation they it, it helps people to um relieve their stress and 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 uh for example anxiety about the thing that let's say for example you get a budget of 10 percent growth for next year but no one explains where the budget uh growth is supposed to come and how do you actually meet that quota so that's the major, most important thing why why salespeople are now leaving their jobs. They feel that they got they get unreasonable expectations and and quotas that they can't meet. And so, giving people a fighting chance, using the technology to give them answers, is the kind of way that how we approach this challenge. Gotcha. So, like a quota for some sales guy, he has to sell, you know for lack of a better example, 10 vacuum cleaners, right? To somebody. Yeah. And uh, he, maybe what he's doing isn't, he's he's never going to sell 10 vacuum cleaners because what he's doing every single day is just not going to get there. But if you use AI to help him out, reach out to the right customers, um, you know, market the right way, you yeah. know, he could be on that path. And that takes the anxiety off of his shoulders because when you're in sales and you don't, you know, you don't produce, you don't sell, well, you, you can't yeah. put food on the table for your family and, and survive, you know, it's all there's that pressure is always there. Absolutely. And and there's upsells, cross sales, new customer acquisition and, and then retention. Those are the four pillars of, of growing profitably. And and we are meeting all those four pillars. Awesome. And how does it like if someone reached out to you at 180 Ops and they need help with, um, you know, anything, anything regards to helping that helping their sales? What does the pricing model look like and things like that? How do you, like, what, what does it cost on the end users uh, end? So we are serving mid-cap and large enterprises. So it's enterprise pricing and and uh, not going to go in more detail about that. Sure. Uh, but uh, what we really do is that the minimum, what we have, how we have approached this challenge is to, to make most value with minimum data. So first of all, we need, billing history. We don't look into CRM history primarily because a lot of companies, for example, do frame agreements, which means that they make a deal for a year. But then what actually happens with those customers doesn't isn't available to see from CRM. It's in the billing. Okay. And uh, so we analyze the billing history, what has been sold to which companies, when, what, how much money was involved and, and so on. And when we connect that with external data. Like, uh, for example, in, in Finland, we have 1.3 million business IDs and we are now modeling for, for Finnish companies. Uh, we are then 
uh, modeling that into those 1.3 million customers and uh, learning from existing customers by offering levels that where is the the uh, top side of or or uh, the, the kind of level of, of opportunity that can be met. It's not the maximum. It's, it doesn't mean that it's an absolute maximum, but it's a reachable potential in the companies that can, can be gained. And uh, by that, we actually create offering view for each individual customer. So what are the offerings that we should sell for each individual customer? As an aggregated view, this gives us a, as a uh, management view of the, of the situation that uh, in which sectors do you have what kind of potential. Let's say, for example, you can compare commercial sector against uh, IT sector or telcos or banks and, and so on. So you can see the macroeconomic level of, of opportunity between different sectors. And for existing customers, uh, for account managers, it gives you ideas what to upsell for your existing customers. How, how do you create growth from, from those? And uh, where are your biggest, most valuable new customer acquisition targets, hunting targets? As an outcome, we create a, a view where we divide the market by in a, in a framework where there's a current value on a, on a rows and and then uh, columns represent the potential which means that you have uh, farming clients on the on the left hand top corner existing customers who have a lot of revenue in a year but there's no upsells potential on the right corner you have strategic customers who already have a lot of billing but but there's more than a million euros in in annual revenue to be gained and to upsell and on the right top, uh, bottom right corner, you have the hunting targets, which currently could be zero euros, but there's more than a million euros in, in potential to, for them to, to concentrate on or, or to, to gain from them. So this is creating a, a also a kind of customer care model mapping that how do you allocate your resources? What kind of personalities take care of these farming customers? Because it's a really different thing to, to keep customers satisfied compared to the long-term strategic tenancy that is required on the strategic accounts or the kind of personality that does well the completely called new customer acquisition type of work. And, and this is also something that, that helps people to concentrate on something that represents their best opportunity, well, their best personality traits. And so it, it's really like, which I think that, that what we are selling to our customers is something that is transformational. It changes the way the company operates. It changes the way how you actually see markets. And, and it has a major power in it. So did I get that right? Do I, I hear that right? You, you, you guys suggest what person to reach out to certain company, companies based on their personality of the salesperson themselves? Uh, that's something that companies actually do. They, okay. they study the salespeople's personal traits and uh, define also these the salespeople, they have their own knowledge about what kind of customers they want to work with. So it's an opportunity to, to kind of uh, match the, the expectations and people's personality and wants into, into a model. And it makes people happier. It, it's something that it makes every everyone happier. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's cool. I, ne I never thought of it. Like, thought of sales like that, but it makes a lot of sense. So we are only modeling business ideas. So so it's all B two B companies, mm -hmm. and uh, we actually decided not to go on the consumer businesses because there's so many data restrictions and the data availability globally is very, let's say, varied on consumer side. On on B two B side. We work with John and Bradstreet and Moody's and, and different types of companies who provide us with legal uh, B2B annual data as well as, as faster data. So it's structured, it's, it's all scalable, it's, it's a globally viable approach. Um, and and that's, what, that's why we chose to concentrate on this. So let's imagine that I'm a company and I, I want to try out 180 Ops 
Can you walk me through very simply, like for somebody who maybe doesn't yeah. understand this very great, walk me through very simply <laughs> what that looks like. How, how are you going to help my company grow and see opportunities that I have? Yes. So the first stage is one month. Uh, when we get the data, the billing history, and we connect it with external data and start modeling, we first come up with the, the view of the reality right now. So where is the money coming from? How does the penetration level in the, in the offerings look like? What are the biggest sectors and where, where you are currently doing well? Uh, then we calculate the potential level. So what type of upsells, cross-sales, new hunting potential is, exists there? And that gives you the priorities towards the future. The next stage is to look into forecasting. We do the, the light projection for the next 12 months billing uh, based on, on modeling the billing history as well as uh, external data on, on macroeconomic trends and uh, give you the forecast for the next year by customer, by month. And uh, that gives us the kind of future outlook, how are things moving forward? And, and this is the beginning. We get there in a month. And uh, in case the customer wants to us to do also analysis and, and make them suggestions and, and work with the board, uh, that's something that we do with our partners. So partners can 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 help the customers with with the analysis side. Uh, in a month, a lot of things will be clearer. Uh, in case the, the customer wants to dig deeper into risk and readiness, that requires more data. Then we need uh, pipeline history about offers. We need. Uh, customer success data like like reclamations and customer services and ticketing and and that type of information or the the existing uh, agreement lengths that that how when are the agreements expiring and, and and so on and that takes a little bit longer. We first start with the risk because risk also understanding of risk also influences the, the understanding the readiness. So the risk drivers also drive the new customers' readiness to buy lower. And so we have a SQL and, and it's, a, it's about a month for the risk uh, analysis and another one for the readiness analysis. So in a quarter, we are up and running with the full-fledged solution. Awesome. So not too long. You would think it would take longer than that, but it seems like a couple months you're at least on the, the right pathway. Yes. They, what we've done is that, that we've platformized the, the, the way of, of doing this. And <clears throat> that's the, the, the work that we are now doing has, has until now been done as projects for individual modeling purposes. So like, for example, a risk as a project has been taken for half a year to produce, and it costs a lot of money to, to do that properly. Uh, especially if you are working in an international environment. Uh, we've created the, the processes and the models in a way that we only need to do adjustments to it. So, so that was the, the kind of platformization of, of the offering is uh, declining the risks, declining the investment, and uh, taking most of the time away. So we are much faster than, than doing a custom project with, with a consulting company. Well, it's time is of the essence of business. So the faster, the better. And you need something very quick. Um, you mentioned before about, you know, you get, you use AI, you use AI and machine learning on the back end. Um, for example, you said you could query databases using like real language or ask a question to your databases. What else do you guys at 180 Ops use uh, AI for um, in terms of helping your customers, like in a simple way? The really complicated calculations that we have uh, are something that, that we use. Now, actually, our chief analyst or CTO should be here answering about that. But um, leveraging it as a, as a combination of AI and, and machine learning. So one thing that we have as a requirement is that if we are giving uh, some sort of recommendation based on the data, we need to be able to uh, tell how it came through or, or what is it founded on. 
So we need to, it's all evidence-based data that we are giving for the customers, but we need to be aware of the evidence in order to, to kind of verify that, that what we are proposing has merit. Uh, the AI part uh, regarding the large language models is something that uh, can be connected. And we, we are actually now thinking that, let's say, for example, HubSpot and Salesforce are doing a lot of that type of development. So it might be smarter that we enable those tools to connect with our database and, and create the, the answers as in, as in language answers uh, instead of us doing the whole nine yards. Okay. We are in the the economy of uh, well this um, ecosystem that that we operate in. We, for example, recognize that a lot of work that the, let's say, for example, sales enablement is another sector. which writes your emails to, uh, for new customer acquisition or follow up emails and 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 so on. That's a that's a, a red ocean strategy, and and there's a lot of players in that game already. And all these big players are already creating their own versions of, of those solutions. So you got it with HubSpot license, you got it with Salesforce license or Dynamics license. So what we are trying to, to do is we concentrate on things that are unique and uh, where we provide unique value and, and then collaborate with the other technologies so that we create the maximal effort outcome or value for the customer and don't even try to do everything ourselves. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, if you try to do everything, you're not going to be good at anything. So. so you mentioned briefly how it's difficult to interpret this data, like the data that, that comes in from these reports. Um, could you just talk to that? How do you see, do you see any opportunities for improving that? Uh, do you think AI could at some point be able to interpret this data or do you think it's always going to have some sort of human element no it, it's absolutely going to be uh, a lot of uh, answers will be coming as a direct suggestions what should you do what are the five things that you should do now and they should be prompted uh, one of the things that if you think about for example crm right now and and for the past well 20 years crm has been felt by salespeople like the reporting uh customer reporting management it's it's more about reporting it's your responsibility to, to to keep the data updated but you actually as a salesperson get really little value from it for yourself so how we see the future is that the crm with our help start giving you answers instead of just requiring your reporting data back and and uh, graving for more data it starts giving you suggestions what should you do next and one of the solutions that how we create this is by uh, for example when there's a risk in a in front of some offering or there's high readiness which means that there's a trigger to buy uh, in, in existence uh, that can be created into a trigger in a CRM telling you that now there's a task. This company, there's an opportunity in this company, in this offering right now, or you are at risk of losing this uh, customer relationship because of these things. And that's proactive. And that's something that where I see that, that the technology is giving us a lot of help in the, in the, what makes the most difference is that it starts telling you proactively about what you, you should concentrate on instead of you asking always. Right now, it's really much in react, reactive mode. Yeah, it's there's so many analytics tools out there to help people. You know, for example, um, just on YouTube, like these podcasts, or we have another news channel out there, and YouTube has such uh, great analytics on everything. You know, how how many yeah. watch hours people are watching the videos, what percentage uh, they're watching of the videos, the click-through rate on the thumbnails, a bunch of different metrics. Um, and people love looking at those, including myself. Yeah, and, and the same with business. There's Google al Analytics to see how many people come to your website and if they're going to uh, convert or not. But like what you were alluding to, Tony, is, you know, People love the analytics, but what's the use of analytics if you're not going to use them to help your sales or help your your channel on YouTube or anything? It just it's more of just yeah. 
personal gratification rather than actually helping you with something. So um, you need that post sure. thing. You need translation. And the, the thing is that the availability of data has not been a problem for many years anymore. It's the trend kind of creating, making sense of that data. That is the challenge. If you look at any mid-sized mid company or a large enterprise, they have so much data, they are drowning in it. It's not the, the problem of availability. It's about making sense of it. And, and that's where the technology gives and AI and, and machine learning tools really uh, have the best power to help. It's really making sense of all that. Yeah, it feels like the um, people use, especially in corporate America, um, they use the analytics. There might be a whole team dedicated to analytics, but they're actually, it's counterintuitive because they're using the analytics to try to help them, but they're not doing anything with the actual data. So they're actually making their company counterproductive because they're putting all these resources into the analytics without doing anything to it. So if they didn't do any analytics at all, it might help them in a way because they're not spending the time and in, in investment in creating an analytics team. You know, if you're just going yeah. to create a team to, to look at data and not do anything with it, that could be counter counterproductive. But if you have these insights and actual transactional things to do, like Tony's alluding to, like, hey, go, you're 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 at risk of losing this customer um, based on the data, so you should go reach out to them. Um, yes. You know, insights like that are very very helpful and can save a company, you know, thousands or millions of dollars down the long term. Millions and uh, in in a major way. Like, uh, for example, when I, I was working with Finnish government, uh, I did study on, uh, it was the, the pension insurance company of, of the government entity that, that pays your, uh, when you get sick, they pay you money. And, and when you get on pension, they, they give you the, the pension and, and so on. And they have a lot of roles in the in the society in Finland. That how do how they how do they actually help people navigate their lives? And um, when I was doing analysis on why do people actually call the call centers, um, we were able to the Pareto principle, the rule of a twenty eighty rule, uh, always applies that there are things that can be recognized, that can be concentrated on and fixed. And when you do that, you actually take away a lot of uh, frustration from the people. So they have, they feel better. They, they, you take away the anxiety and, and insecurity and not knowing what to do next. And, and uh, instead, those people who are working with the customers can concentrate on those who actually need the help. So you're actually improving both customers' lives and you're improving the, the employees' lives. And when we are aggregating these data about the individual customers into offerings, we can see that what are the things between in, in different offerings that are creating the pains and, and likelihood of churn, and what are the drivers of, of uh, new new customer acquisition and, and readiness. And those are something that, that give you tremendous um, management possibilities because now you have something to concentrate on. You have things to accelerate and you have risks to mitigate and take away those challenges. And uh, in, in that uh, Finnish government case, we saved millions of uh, euros a year by just changing uh, public websites. When you recognize the root causes of those challenges, it doesn't mean that it's expensive to fix. You when well, then we come to behavioral economics and how do you actually how do you actually nudge people to move forward or or how do you make people to uh, to for example feel better about themselves? But uh, those are the things that we need in order to to make choices and and lead and manage companies to to better future. Yeah, it's like the everybody needs a direction. Like, you know, if you're ever feeling overwhelmed in anything in your life, you know, the best advice I always I always take is just start with something very simple, an actionable item, whether it's cleaning up your house or do something. Um, yeah. Because data, it's it, like life is overwhelming, just like data is overwhelming. So yeah. you have 
an actionable item like 180 Ops can give you after they analyze your data, you know, that's a great head start into your business to, to get on the right track. Instead of being overwhelmed by the noise of data, um, the Tony and 180 Ops will at least get point you in the right direction. And that will, uh, you know, accelerate your your sales and growth eventually. But really, when we when we started developing this technology, we knew already we kind of reverse engineered the technology development. We knew the challenges. We knew what kind of data gives you the most important insight. So we had the outcome already figured out. What we needed to figure out is how do we produce this effectively? What kind of data models and, and solutions are required in order to deliver that experience? And that's the work of 25 years in, in, in business, doing the, the manual grinding first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Nothing, uh, nothing every, everything that's worth something takes time. So 25 years, it's you fun. know yourself at this point, yeah. You know, we, li we like to ask everybody, and uh, you know, back to the AI stuff. In terms of AI, where do you see AI in general going over the next five years? Is, so is it something people should be scared about, uh, concerned about, or excited about, or maybe both? I think both. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's both fear and in, uh, inspiration. But um, in the late 90s, I was working in uh, for publishing companies, producing companies like Business Week and, and uh, Advertising Age, Ad Age. Um, and my clients were op operating in, in marketing sector printing sector and retro studios were one of the sectors and uh, those were hit back then by digital imaging so in those sectors uh, a lot of charts they just ceased to exist because photoshop came mm -hmm. and ai has the same effect in a massive scale it's, it's not just disrupting a single business sector it's disrupting all business sectors and and the the analogy that i i would consider here is that that nurse versus doctor analogy <laughs> that, that, yeah. how how much how much how scared should you be or how much do you feel that your work will be influenced by ai well there's your answer if you if you are doing rule-based uh, business that can be automated it will be automated and and that will require you to change the way how you actually work and what kind of value do you provide so it's both it's yeah. something to be excited about but it's also something to be scared about yeah not, like one of the exciting things back to, for the doctor is you know i think there's going to be you know ai doctors out there which there probably already are but you'll be able to ask you'll be able to put in your conditions and you know, you might be able to get treated or they might be, the AI doctor might be able to give you a diagnosis that's accurate, more accurate than your doctor. I think it's gonna help a lot of people that might have chronic conditions that were misdiagnosed from their doctors mm. uh, for years and years. And, you know, they might be able to go in and have an AI doctor diagnose them because they the AI doctor has so much information at their hands. You know, other doctors that's have- already happened. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's sad it's people- It's already happening. And the same is happening in, in legal agencies, okay. like, like, for example, making contracts and making agreements and, and so on. So, and in those cases, uh, a lot of the, the basic work is done by AI and then human is required to, to kind of give the human touch to it or, or making secure that the data hasn't, you know, well, the AI hasn't done something hallucinating or <laughs> doing something something weird but it's automating a lot of those processes and and that's something scary too because it that just might kill your enjoyment of, of the work yeah like the work nobody wants to work but then when you're actually working it gives you satisfaction but that might go away you exactly. know if you're just correcting what ai is producing it's not really satisfaction creating life <laughs> no not at all it's, it feels like more of manipulation than work you know so <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. What other you? What other things do you are you? Should people be a little bit wary of or scared of in terms of AI? We need to be kind of aware of the, what the development is bringing. And and uh, on the legal legal side, I think that the 
for example, how social media is now operating and how we are being put into bubbles and and uh, it's creating diversion. Well, disruption in the in the in the society is something that it needs to be regulated. And and we are now. Uh, at the point where, for example, EU is is doing regulation on on AI use, uh, there was also a discussion about uh, US uh, about, for example, doing AI pictures and movies about replacing, for example, uh, some porn movie stars face with uh, with your friend's face, yeah. and 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 like that's something that it should be illegal. It should be something that that is regulated and. Uh, we technology has developed and evolved much faster than legislation has and uh i'm i'm looking at the world right now and i i feel that there will be events and and uh phenomena that take over before legislation actually catches up yeah. and uh so it, it's going to be a bumpy ride that for sure, and and the volatility of the market and the, the uncertainty of the market, it's just skyrocketing yeah. constantly. I think we're 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 lucky to be living in this time. Uh, Elon Musk said, you know, he's someone asked him, how do you feel about AI, and he's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen with it, but he's like, if I had a choice to live in one period of time in in the history of the world, it'd probably be now because it's going to be a very interesting. Uh, you know, next few decades. Absolutely. Tony, now's the time to uh, promote anything. I know 180 Ops is the is, is the company <laughs> that we've been talking about the whole time, uh, which is very exciting. But is there anything else that you want to promote um, right now? Yeah, I published a book last spring, uh, Fast awesome. Growth and Profitability, available in Amazon. And uh, in that book, I'm I'm kind of laying out the, the big picture the foundation and the, the the people the cultures and strategy processes and the practical use cases about how can you make sense of the data and and where is the, the kind of source code of behind it but how do you translate the data and, and make sense of it and uh, that's something that uh, i think that many people would actually benefit from anyone in business uh can definitely learn learn new stuff and and uh, get help with their business and 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 uh especially with data analytics. So check out that book on Amazon. We'll leave a link in the in, this, in the description. Yeah, and then be sure to check out Ryan and I's newsletter, fry-ai.com. We have weekday news on artificial intelligence as well as three top uh, AI tools of the day and a mystery link as well that has some fun links to different things in AI, tweets, videos, and all sorts of uh, community engagement. Uh, but thanks so much, Tony, for coming on. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.